listening to the Freewheeling Podcast, back for another week to talk about women cycling and the Cyclocross World Championships. My name is Abby Mickey, and I am joined by Lauren Rowney. Lauren, hello. Hello. I'm back this week. Yay! Yay! <laughs> back every week. <laughs> uh, well, I guess last week, neither of you were here. Amy, you weren't here either. No, you had like a, a little bit of one-on-one action with Gracie. It was great. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> Gracie opted not to be on the podcast this week because she didn't watch Cyclocross, which is fine. She'll be here a ton later in the season and especially into the summer when I'm on maternity leave. So give her a break now because this is going to be your life later on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like I said, we've got a bunch of cyclocross to talk about. We have two incredibly exciting world championship races that we're going to get into. We've got a little bit of stuff on the road, including the upcoming first races on the women's European circuit. But before we dive into all of that, this episode is brought to you by Zwift. Zwift is kicking off their Black Celebration Series for Black History Month in the month of February, starting this upcoming Saturday, February 5th, with group rides led by prominent Black cyclists doing the workout of the week. This week's week's workout is some kind of over-unders. One of my most favorite. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You sadistic person, you. Yeah, that's... I can't no, what do they say? Masochist? Is that a person who enjoys inflicting pain upon themselves or something? I think so. I don't know. You two are the English majors, or I like to think of you as. No, I was a history major. Same, same. You have to write stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Amy's Googling it. She's fact-checking. Fact-checker Amy. (laughs) Do we we want this definition? Sure, go for it. Person who derives sexual gratification from. Oh, nope. (laughs) (laughs) A person who enjoys an activity that appears to be painful or tedious. There we go. Yeah, but over-unders aren't tedious. You, they go by No, they're not second. tedious. They are like, yeah. they hurt so much that they just, they go by so quickly, especially on Zwift. I was, I'm doing the Back to Fitness build-up series right now, which is like, I think I've talked about it before. It's like many months of two workouts in a row or two workouts a week uh, yeah. that you do to kind of like get back into shape, which is I maybe not I need to the, do this one, maybe. It's really good. It's written by Kristen and Danny. Uh, Chris Armstrong and Danny Rowe. So the same people who wrote the um, baby on board exercises. Mm-hmm. Back to and and I, I love the series, although I don't know if it's a great idea to do <laughs> while pregnant. I just like knocked down my FTP. So it seems fine. But I can't do over unders. I tried the other day. Uh, and my heart rate was too high, unfortunately. But I mean, you don't have to do the workout of the week to jump on the Black Celebration series rides. It's an awesome thing that Zwift is doing. And they've also launched a new kit for both running and cycling that you can unlock if you participate in the series. So check that out. And thank you so much to Zwift for sponsoring this episode. And hopefully many more to come because we love Zwift. Uh, we're still working on getting our ride organized, Lauren. I know. I'm waiting. It's, it's coming. I need some extra motivation because I try to exercise once Harry's in bed and it just, it's harder at the, later in the day. So if someone said to me, I'm going to meet you online at 730 in the evening, I would be there. Mm. But uh, 
takes a lot of internal motivation to exercise late in the evening after a long day and it's dark and cold and it's Belgium. Well, I'll continue (laughs) to work on this and I will update you guys as it progresses. But it's definitely in the works. Good. Cool. All right. Let's talk about cyclocross. Yeah, the junior race was won by Zoe Backstead, who also won the road race at the Road World Championships. Pretty incredible race by her. And are we surprised? Not really. She's been on a tear. That Forget Pidcock. What if she wins junior mountain? I was just about to say she has the potentials <laughs> for, for doing the, the triple and also the makings of the next goat, perhaps. I don't know. She's very impressive um, rider, and I believe she attacked on the first lap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She just went, um, and actually, didn't she recently? Uh, I think was I reading this in the Slack yesterday, Abby, that as part of this merger with um, the sponsor of her cross team. Yeah, so she rides for Tormund's cyclocross team, the Belgian team, and they're in talks, preliminary talks with Deconic Quickstep to kind of join forces. At the moment, the team is affiliated with uh, Inner Marche Wanty Gobert, the men's world tour team, but they are in talks with Quickstep. It's not like a done deal yet, but if it does go through, it does mean that there is a link between uh, Zoe, her cross team, and Next Gen or NXTG Racing which is the U23 team that, or the development team. Well, let's focus on the fact Yolene Dehora is one of the DSs. That's that nice Yolene Dehora directs, that's way yes. better. <laughs> that, that's a much nicer Belgium to, which, to speak about. Definitely, which would mean that, yeah, that Zoe would get to do a good chunk of racing on the road as well, because she's not, she doesn't race on the road a ton. She doesn't um, have a team at, at the minute. Yeah. And I'm guessing GB doesn't have like an under-19s team or do they get to go and do over some of the Nations Cups or something like that? I think they do take teams to the Nations Cups. Okay. Exciting development from Australian cycling. If all goes to plan, we will have the juniors coming over in May to do some racing for the first time in years. That's super exciting. That's super Development. Yes, finally. But yeah, seeing Zoe Backstead race on the road would be would be super cool. I mean, she she's a junior, um, and if she's doing multiple disciplines, it's not necessarily a bad thing. She just has so much time, and she's going to get picked up by a team. Um, she's probably already in talks with teams for the moment that she she becomes a U twenty three. I wonder if she would be in talks with Trek. I mean, that would make a ton of sense because they've got the Balwa's team on for cyclocross and they've got the road team for the road, but also, and they have truck factory racing on the mountain, but she also, her sister rides for them, Eleanor. So that would be pretty cool if they picked up both of the Backstead sisters. Well, they're about developing riders as well. So I wouldn't be surprised. It'd be a question of whether um, she wants to race on the same team as her sister. I mean, Alice and Hannah Barnes seem to do it for a good few years and mm-hmm. now they've gone their separate ways. I think you're right there. I think in terms of like the multidiscipline element, Trek would be the best, the best option. fit. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. I mean, she's only 17, 18, I think. Yeah. And you can pile too much pressure and better if she's, if she isn't keen to go straight into like 
tons of road racing yet i think that's not necessarily a bad thing and i think um, like if you look at matthew vanderpool at the moment who like really stretch himself thin doing all three disciplines the possibility of getting a season ending injury because of that is pretty high so Voss did it as well yeah true that's why she had so many years off is because she she was so dominant in the beginning of her career and she was so young and dominant in track road and cross and then come what 2014 2015 she was she had yeah lingering injuries from overtraining and everything and and Pauline did the same after her triple. Yeah. She like kind of mentally cracked a little bit, I think, too. Which is also a risk, I guess. Well, yeah. Mental health is like just Number as one. if not more important than your body health. Yeah. Well, if your head doesn't work, your body is not going to cooperate. Correct. They're all connected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, should we talk about Voss? Super exciting race on the elite side kind of i mean it was kind of exciting the dutch really walked away with it from the very very beginning between uh celine del carmen alvarado boss and lucinda brand the three of them just really took charge of the race from the get-go and uh alvarado had a couple of missteps that kind of put her back with the italian rider um persico but in the end it was the battle between Voss and Brand was super exciting. And I saw like a lot of people on Twitter being really angry at Voss for just kind of wheel sucking. But I, I don't agree with that at all. She like she attacked multiple times, Brand attacked. I mean, I think going into the final, Brand would have known like the only way that I can win this is if I drop Voss. And she couldn't. She couldn't drop her. And Voss is a better sprinter. So that's kind of what it came down to. But it was it was incredible to see Voss win after uh, so long out of the rainbow stripes. I mean, she almost won the road race, <laughs> <laughs> but, but was second to Balsamo. And this win for her was like, she's not worn the world championship jersey since 2014 after being incredibly dominant in the beginning, in the beginning of her career. So it was, it was a huge deal that she won. And per usual, when she crossed the line, she looked like it was her first victory ever. Yeah. It never gets old for her or people watching. I mean, at least for our little fan club. But yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Going back to what you were saying, Abby, though, at the end of the day, it's a race. And she is one of the, the smartest bike riders out there, right? She knows exactly what she needs to do to win a race. And Lizzie Dignan has been quoted, I think it was in the run-up, saying that Voss shows up to every race with the intention to win. There's not many athletes that do that and have that mindset. And she knows Lucinda, and Lucinda said this herself in an interview, that they've been teammates, they know each other well. She knew what roughly what Voss was going to do, and Voss just let her drive it. You know, Lucinda, if you've been watching Cross, that's one of the things that she does is she basically sometimes in the races from the gun just puts the hammer down and her she's just got such an incredible capacity that she basically rides riders off their wheels and sets a pace that's so high that they just can't sustain it. And that's kind of what happened to Alvarado. She fell off. Like you said, she may have made a few technical mistakes, but at one point when she really did fall off their wheel, it was just she couldn't hold on. So Lucinda, in, in, at least in my eyes, she was driving it. Um, 
And Voss was glued to her wheel doing what she had to do and she knew that it was going to come down to those last two laps. And like you said, that's where she decided to have a crack and attack because we know she is not a wheel sucker. She's just racing the race tactically and racing to her capabilities, like what we saw um, in the Dutch national um, titles. And I, I did see a tweet that someone said it was like the the dirt crit world champs or something, and it was an odd course. In my Wasn't that Tilda who said that, my girl? Yeah, your girl. <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. There were no she's barriers. There was no sand pit, which is weird because it's a completely man-made course, so you'd think that they'd be able to throw some more obstacles in there it was um, so fast though but it, it was, was yeah crazy. it was such a fast but that was what like got alvarado was if you lost the wheel then the race was basically over i mean we we'll talk about it when we get to the u23 race with with um Fem van empel because she her performance on the day was incredible and sharon van emory as well but the the course was so fast that if you lost like even a little bit if you had any kind of fumble at all you'd you lost 10 seconds i mean it was like so quick that course that's why it was so impressive that Pasico managed her bridge and then pull well yeah i thought she had an amazing race i'd never heard of her before and then i was looking her up and i mean she she won the italian cyclocross national championships but other than that she didn't really do like super well world cups um she did like a couple and she was like ninth at namur uh she was 10th at val de sol so she did but she definitely didn't race as much as brand which i think we can talk about how brand approached the season versus how voss approached the season but yeah persico races on the road with travel and service one of the italians uh, on the italian team Valcar are just churning them out they really are she was one of the riders who went over to the u.s and did the u.s crossing at the beginning of the season but she's not got like she's not got incredible results really so but i coming back to the course i and you said she's a road racer this would have suited a road rider i mean absolutely peacock. like it was a fast dirt crit as your mate said um and i mean i don't claim to be some cross expert like i've only been following cross for a few years but based on the races I've seen or followed this was was a completely different beast yeah definitely and and that kind of hurt brand as well because I mean she's good at those sloppy races and she's a pure she's not a pure cross rider she's really good at racing uh road as well but she does have more experience on those sloppy courses than Voss like this season currently at this moment she races more and if it had been sloppier she would have had a better shot but i think there was nothing brand could have done like <laughs> she couldn't have ridden any harder i'm sure she was riding as hard as she possibly could and voss stuck to her wheel and and voss just had a better day and i i was kind of bummed for brand because like she had such an incredible season we want to see the world championship jersey racing in the cross races and we probably won't see much of that in 2022 Voss will probably come back and race a bunch like in the latter part of the cross season but she does focus on the road season 
a lot more than she does on the cross season. Um, so purely for the fact that we want to see the world champion racing cross during the season, it's a bummer that brand didn't win, but what do you guys think about the two different approaches? So we had brand who cut her road season short, didn't race Perry Roubaix purely to focus on cross was so dominant through the entire season. I mean, to, to a certain extent, it got boring because he just knew she was going to ride away at a certain point during the race. And then we had Voss who like really tactically planned her season and planned exactly which races she was going to do. She won multiple World Cups before winning the Worlds. Like she won Valdesol. She won Hoogheide the weekend before. So we knew she was on really good form, but she really planned specifically to build up to Worlds and be able to come back and race the road season that she is focusing on without any kind of fatigue from racing the full cross season. And do you guys think that 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 hurt Brand that she raced so much no. through the season? No, really, I don't think Voss came in essentially fresher. But Brand has done this before. It worked before. It's a question. It's just. I'm sorry, based on the course, she couldn't, it's just a course she couldn't ride away. Voss was hurting. You could see it. She was digging, digging in to hold that wheel. But it was just, I'm sorry, the course didn't lend itself to Brand. And she always knew if she came to the finish line and she said it in the interview, there was no chance against Voss at the finish. Um, Interesting you say about Voss's face and like you could tell she was hurting because she seemed to like, very briefly look like she was and then like from like a long time like she'd look really calm and collected and then just like on the odd point like pull her face as if she was like really hurting and I don't know if that if that was like maybe a bit of mind games going on there with that like because I didn't know she looked pretty comfortable I don't think so well, I mean Brand can't see yeah Brand is just driving the front you you do that like say when you're say you're in um a road race and you're pulling turns in an echelon or something or you're in a breakaway and you want to like fake that you're hurting so then you attack the shit out of the riders at the end that that's something different this was like she she doesn't need to show she's hurting for the television um and Voss can have a poker face, but you know when she's working hard. Um, and that was on the hardest part of the course too, where Puck in that U23 race kept attacking. Um, yeah, that's just my opinion. Obviously, uh, Lucinda has her, her approach and she did take, I think, a few weeks away from racing to, to sort of maybe build down so then she could b- build back up. I'm not sure. Maybe she went on a training camp. I can't quite recall. But... Um, We've got to remember as well, she is on a cross-dedicated team, whereas Voss is on Jumbo and her focus is the road, but cross has been a discipline of hers for, for a long, long time. So she knows that she can just come in. Vanderpool does the same thing and Walt Bonnet as well. Like quite often they come in very late into the season, race a few races just so they can get a better start in the, the World Cups. And then they they go on, race the World Championships and move on to the road season. Um, Different approaches, uh, different riders, different goals and ambitions. I don't think Lucinda is sitting there thinking about winning the Tour de France or um, the next World Championships. 
Yeah, and I don't think that Lucinda would have come in to the race overcooked. Like, she's seasoned enough that she knows how to build a cross season. And and you're right, she took two weeks off where she went to training camp a little bit with Trek Segafredo, but um, was really careful about the mileage she was doing and everything. And I, I think she would have known how to structure the season. It's just, yeah, like you said, it's just they, they approached it differently. And neither way is wrong. That's, we, we have this situation because there's probably, it's harder to make a living racing cross. And there's riders who, like Voss loves racing cross, I'm sure she could make good money racing cross. She makes a living racing on the road and it's not like everyone else is in her shoes. So it's, and it's, yeah, it's an interesting situation. I, I'm, I was bummed to see so much backlash at Voss on Twitter when she won. Do that. No, I need to but I don't actually. People on Twitter will always moan about something. Yeah. It was mostly like the hardcore cross fans, I feel like, who maybe aren't fans of riders just kind of coming in. And I, I mean, hey, we kind of do the same thing. When it comes to riders like Anna Kiesenhofer, who don't race at all, come in, win the Olympics, and then we see her at Disappear, Europeans yeah. and Worlds. <laughs> yeah, but she's not on a team, so we're not going to see her race at all, yeah. which is like a little bit different because it's not like... Necessarily rail against that, though, either. Because I think like I think if people on Twitter are moaning that Voss hasn't raced a full cross season and then comes and wins worlds. It's just like, well, sorry, it's a race. That's that's how it's, yeah. It's like, <laughs> this is how bike racing is structured. Yeah. If you want it to be different, then we should probably structure hey, bike Christine racing a little bit. Armstrong did the same with the Olympics, right? Yeah, seriously. Chris Armstrong <laughs> retwi- retired twice and came yeah. back and won the Olympics. Yeah. So anyway, moving on to the You've got one. Katarina Nash, by the way. <laughs> what a bloody... Hit her. Yeah, she's a legend, man. I mean, we can, yeah, before we like jump into the U23 race, I, I don't think there's like a ton more to say about about the elite race. We had the Dutch kind of domination broken up a little bit by uh, Persico, the Italian, and also Magli Rochette was seventh. Helen Clausel from France was eighth. So there was a little bit of breakup there, but that's because the handful of other dominant Dutch riders race the U23 race. And also we didn't even have Betsma and Worst. Yeah, and we yeah. didn't have Betsma and Worst. So yeah. 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 All right, let's talk about U23 race. It was awesome. It was such a good race. It was Oh like- my God. I just, I have to say before we dive into it, oh, well, we're going to talk about it, but when Puck was running up the stairs for the last time, could you like feel the lactic burning in her legs like when she got to i think the last steps or she was running across my boyfriend was like oh my god her legs are about to collapse she's gonna collapse it was so exciting it was so exciting if i ran up those stairs once i would be sick at the top like how were they doing it like that many times and so fast that was the biggest obstacle in the entire course was that what 36 i think it was like 36 stair runner horrendous how do they not fall over? Like, I'm so clumsy. How do they? You know, they make the stairs wider, like, than a normal set of stairs. So you, you can have longer. Are they stairs. taking them, like, two at a time? Like, there's some long legs going on, or I don't know. But, like, 
Pock Peterson does seem to have quite the gangles going on. Like she's got gangly limbs. Uh, Van Empel is really tall and lanky, but she was running up there so gracefully. <laughs> that could be, could be an advantage. But yes, such an exciting race, really. Um, I don't know. I think I might have enjoyed this race the most. I did as well. And and I thought it was so cool that they put the U23 women's race right before the men's elite race or, or on the same day because I felt like watching it, there was way more people at the women's U23 race than the women's elite race. The I mean, it was just packed with people and the race was so exciting. Like they absolutely deserved that attention that race because the battle between these three and I think I think the three of them were probably the hot favorites going into the race and they didn't quite drop the rest of the pellet or the rest of the peloton the rest of the field in the first 10 seconds like boss and Brandon Alvarado did in the elite race but like by lap two it was it was a battle between the three of them and and the yo-yoing between them and Van Empel uh, getting dropped by Sheeran's attack and uh, Puck's attack and then working her way back up to them and then Sheeran getting dropped and Puck, Puck's multiple attacks for a minute. I was like, Puck Peterson, you did not learn, my friend. <laughs> I know. My God. Is there a more attacking rider than Puck Peterson? I mean... Like, really? I'm just glad that when it came down to the line that she did <laughs> out-sprint Sharon. <laughs> I was convinced, I have to say, after she ran up those stairs the last time and um, Sharon actually, you know, managed to bridge that gap because she was just so cooked. I was, like, looking at Hannes, I'm like, there is no way she can sprint now. Like, her legs are going to fall off, surely. <laughs> and then somehow, somehow... She magically managed to... In the gangliest sprint ever with (laughs) limbs just fucking flying everywhere. Well, also, like, she probably had... Obviously, it's world championships. Everyone can turn it on, like, that extra bit for that. But also, Mm. the not the last World Cup before, but the one in France where she came to the line with um, Femme Van Empel and just missed out. Yeah, yeah. Was probably like playing in her head as well. <laughs> I mean, Sharon and uh, I think it was Sharon or Puck, I don't remember which one said before the race, pretty sure it was Sharon, that she didn't want to go to the line with Femme because they knew that she would be the faster sprinter of the three. Um, and and the two of them, I mean, teamwork isn't really a thing in cross. <laughs> But the two of them did do like a really good job of shelling Femme. And, and at the end, the reason that she wasn't there was more of a tactical, like a, not tactical, but just like an error on her part. She took that little like run up banana type thing a little too hot and dropped her chain afterwards. We just saw her like on the side of the course fiddling with her bike. Um, My boyfriend, he, he actually said, whoever comes into that little technical bit, that little, uh, what do you call it, a U-turn on the hill. Mm-hmm. Whoever comes in there first will win it. And he said, if you want to make the difference in that last lap, that's where the most mistakes will happen. And sure enough, Puck, I think, yeah, she put in that attack, made sure she was at the front, came in. Sure, um, Van Empel ran into her back wheel and that was it. 
game over. And like you were saying, Abby, the course is so fast. There was no way you could ever come back from such an error. Yeah. I mean, she she did come back the first time she made that error. I think it was on lap three, maybe. Yeah, but not at the finish. But it was too close to the finish. There was no way she was coming back. Did you guys see that the U23 race, the three of them, for the first four laps were 18 seconds faster than Brandon Voss? I did not see that. 18 seconds faster laps? I mean, it's not surprising in a sense because they've been mixing it up, but at the same time, we were just talking about how much Brand was driving it and how she's just been such an engine um, in the cross. So that's incredibly impressive and I will say it's going to be so exciting for the cross seasons to come because I think you know Brand is probably here to stay for another few years these these young riders are gonna start catching up yeah they're just gonna get better yep and I wonder if any of them considered racing the elite race yeah what are the what's the rules around that I'm not sure but I'm but I think, like, for road racing, for the men, I know if you're on, like, a world tour team or something like that, you can choose to race the elite race as a U23. And I know there's, like, a lot of controversy in the world tour riders that do race U23 because it's yeah. not really fair. We don't have this on the road side. The U23 women's race doesn't exist in road. Um and it's obvious why it's so important that we do have its its own separate category. I mean, yes, all three of these riders could have mixed it up in the elite race, but this gave them a chance to shine. Whereas if they'd all three done the elite race, maybe it would have been a different race. Maybe Puck Peterson would have attacked and been off the front for a while, but it still would have come down to Brandon Voss, I think. Like they had this opportunity to really throw down and make this incredibly exciting race that the world got to watch. And we know their names more now. I mean, we knew them already because like Puck Peterson, I think finished third in the overall world cup podium, um, uh, for the series, but, but still it, it's just such an important thing to have this step in between juniors and elites. And I, I wish they would give, the women on the road, the same courtesy of having having this clear well, development. Well, has anything come from those discussions? The last I heard, they're still talking about just lumping them both together. Which is not. Which is, we'd I'm rather sure not have it at is, all. There's riders enough for them to have a race. Yeah. There are enough riders. So I just don't understand it. And it would just open it up to so many more riders, like you said, Abby, to just put them in the spotlight um, because yeah. these teams are watching these races and it's it's all about tactics and all that, not necessarily um, sometimes how one's physiological development is progressing. Some riders go first year into elites and are up there mixing it with the, the big dogs, but um, some take a few years to get there. But just to watch them and see how they approach a race is something else entirely. Mm -hmm. Fingers crossed. Yeah, we'll see. We'll keep reporting on it and keep ranting about it for sure. Should we talk about a little bit of road stuff? Did we cover everything for cross? We got anything else to say? Well, I think this is it, huh? Are we done with cross for the 
There's still a couple races, but it's weird that there's races after the world. It's like having, uh, yeah, the women's tour and Drenta after worlds this year was like, oh, can we just be done? Yeah. Anyway. Well, road stuff. <laughs> yeah, we got a little bit of road news. Before we dive into the better news or positive news, uh, we did get a update about Amy Peters. We've not heard anything since she was transported from Spain back to the Netherlands, uh, which was, I think, three weeks ago or or something like that. Um, but we, we've heard from her family, from SD Works, that she is still unconscious, but she's responding well. She's still in the hospital, but she's been moved out of the ICU into a different unit. Um, and she's stable. So yeah, we continue to keep her in our thoughts. I saw Kristen Mayurus posted a really cute photo on her social media of a town sign, uh, that was like a Y and she was doing the, doing an M with her fingers. I mean, the whole Peloton continues to keep Amy in their thoughts and, um, hope that whatever news we get in the future is good news. I think bike racing doesn't even really matter at this point. We just would like her to wake up. Yeah. It'll be, it'd be weird to see SC works racing without her in the opening races. Cause they're kind of her jam in more positive news. We do have some racing coming up for the women, uh, non-Australian racing. The European season is kicking off with the Vuelta v- CV Femidas, a one-day race in Spain, and then the Valencia, which is four days, four-day stage race. Yeah, the Setmana Clásica Valencia, Valenciana. Every time this race comes around, I'm reminded of my glamorous <laughs> exit from the world of bike racing. <laughs> The the one day the uh, Vuelta Feminas is on February sixth, and then Valenciana is from the seventeenth to the twentieth. So we'll have another podcast in between those two, probably. But yeah, coming up, we've got some some road racing, which means that the World Tour teams are kind of eyeing uh, which races that they're going to do to open up the season before before Omloop. We've got they announced uh, that four teams are going to be doing um the vuelta feminas for world tour teams the um wait the one day the one day okay yeah yeah uae yumbo visma movistar track track yeah and then for the stage race there's a couple more teams coming in we've got fdj nouvelle aquitaine futuroscope yumbo visma uno x movistar uae oh sorry no the fourth team doing um the one day race is uno x actually yeah the the distribution of of world tour teams to continental teams it's a good mix like we want there's a couple teams there so it kind of elevates the the racing a little bit but the continental teams are not completely swarmed by world mm. tour teams. Amy's making a face. Are you going to correction corner me? Well, I was just looking at the tweet, the Twitter of the, how many teams are we, are we just talking about the one day or the stage race too? Kind of talking about both. Are the, are all six teams doing both? Thir- 13 world teams for the stage race. 13. Okay, so um, the six, that's this morning. They've put that like an hour ago <laughs> since we started recording. 
um, they've oh, so announced post recording. So teams. I'm not wrong. I just I have no. old information. Yeah, cool. No, no, no. <laughs> so Bike Exchange, EF, Liv, Canyon. Um, okay, so this is what I was expecting. I was expecting for like all the world tour team. So the only one probably not racing it is the Kogas. It'll no, no, they squad. are. They, they are. are. Okay. Yeah. So wait, yeah, who's the who's the one? It's a thirteen world teams in total, but there are fourteen, right? SD in works. SD, SD works, works is the only one missing. Yeah, that's actually not surprising. Although I think they raced it last year. Well, at least the one day the continental teams get a little bit of a chance. Yeah, that's a lot of world tour teams to jump into. Like, yeah, I was gonna say, like, what do we think about? Because obviously, there's like a million and one men's races happening already. Mm. Like various stage races happening like at the same time one day races blah 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 and everyone's like everyone keeps saying to me like oh when does women's season start i'm like well technically not really till late oh, feb early march yeah i mean yeah it's always it's now when look at news bite is always the yeah well it's opening weekend it's opening weekend yeah and everyone really thinks of that like there's racing going on now but no one really takes that much notice unless you're a real cycling real geek yeah or you're married to one of the writers (laughs) i i am not taking a look at it because i'm not married to one or dating one although i did watch like i was watching gp marseille and i but i wasn't really watching it it was like playing in the background and i was cleaning the apartment (laughs) so (laughs) it's like that kind of season right now yeah yeah well it's going to be interesting i mean if there's 13 world tour teams jesus that's the strongest that's that's ever shown up an actual legit race then yeah so this is the thing though right is that i don't know i'm i'm sort of posing this but i haven't actually thought that much into it and don't know where i would come down but like the early races like this race used to be a lower level it used to be an opportunity for mm-hmm. people to get you know results um who weren't necessarily up against like what without racing up, up against like all the world tour teams and there aren't that many races at that level for the women throughout the season and because of that most of the world tour teams still rock up to the lower level races anyways so it's like kind of for the men there's like way more I don't know where I'm going with this. um, There's more races. They just have more. Yeah, it's more spread There's more races, so there's more opportunities where you're not, like, up against the top, top level. It's it's back to the development thing, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a – it's totally reasonable progression with uh, opening weekend and the races coming right afterwards. It's like the world tour starts and there's no easing into it it's just like boom we've started the world tour mm, and the racing is super it, huh? hard yeah so yeah. it makes total sense that for a race like a four-day stage race going on in spain where the weather's super nice it's like a mm-hmm. perfect start to the season and especially without australia going on then i mean i think if australia was going on we wouldn't see this many world tour teams signing up for valenciana but with no racing before this and a very short turnaround between a race like this and the world tour racing it makes sense that all of the world tour teams would want to do it and i i agree with you amy like having 13 world tour teams at a smaller level race that used to be one or two world tour teams would show up but it was pretty much a race for the the smaller teams to be able to 
you know, get their feet under them a little bit. This race, I kind of see separately from a race like Turingen or uh, the Energy Walked Tour, whatever it's called now, because it's an early season race and because it's the only, <laughs> it's like the only early season race. It's also grown in stature. So I think it used to be 2.2, now it's a 2.1. Oh, yeah. And true, like on the men's side, the 2.1s, I mean, Passage that starts that starts today has got like loads of world tour teams going to it. So it's not kind of the same deal, I guess. It's just I don't know. I guess I was just thinking it out loud about how No, you're different- spot on. hundred percent spot mm-hmm. on. Yeah, we both agree with it's you. Very it's very unfortunate in that respect that now the these other teams who fight tooth and nail to get starts, yeah. There's there's no place for them. Um and if you do get a start, you're lining up against probably all the girls that have just come off a training camp and are getting their legs ready for the opening weekend. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I was speaking to um, Agua Española. I hope I've pronounced that right. From the Canyon development team the other day. Um, and she was on Massey Tactic last, last season who were just a continental team as well. But she was talking to me about the calendar for that team and how they're doing a mix of, UCI racing and sort of national level racing and how that's going to be so much better for riders like her because last year yes it's good for teams like Massey Tactic to get invited to you know Strada Bianchi and these world tour races but rocking up to that and getting your head kicked in is just completely demotivating whereas races that going like doing a mix of that and races where you actually can like be in the race is much better for developing as a rider. So yeah, it's, um, but when there aren't that many opportunities to do that. Yeah. I think the problem is opportunity. The problem is that we've got not enough non-world tour racing going on. And then also obviously like continental teams, they want the exposure. So if they get invited to a world tour race, like they're going to go. Yeah. to be like hey we're at these world tour races so the sponsors can see that and be like wow they're racing at the top level but then for the riders it's just like how are they even supposed to make a dent on this is why i don't understand how, why human powered health went world tour like rally i know i ripped into them already in a previous episode but like they sent their their team over to europe last year to do like the giro and a couple other races completely got their head kicked in they were, and then there's no development going on. It's mm. just okay. Well, we got to go world tour. But there's no development. You have to ease into it. You can't just, especially for non-Dutch and Belgian riders. Dutch and Belgian riders are different, especially Dutch. If you're Dutch, you grow up racing in those kermesses, and you're so exposed to high-level racing from the beginning that it's very much ingrained in how you race. Mm-hmm. But like for Brits, uh, Australians, Americans, even Spanish, Italians, even I feel like <laughs> there's like there's you have to ease into it. It's not unless you're insane, you know, unless you you've got like some totally bonkers talent like Kristen Faulkner. But even then, the, the bike handling could be better. So it's. Yeah, it's such an interesting conundrum that it's I like feel like going to be just a wants theme that badge for us. now, right? <laughs> the yeah, world. they do. Everyone just wants that world tour badge, but they don't 
they can't actually back it up. We we kind of talked about this, I feel like, in a previous episode, but Amy and I have definitely talked about this off mic. The depth of the women's Peloton, as much as I am like, I love, I love women's racing. I hate to say anything negative about it, but the depth of the women's Peloton is not big enough to have 14 world tour teams that are on the same level. Yeah, agreed. I had a debate. I nearly got into a debate about this. My boyfriend, because he was talking about this. And then I was, my immediate response was to like defend women's cycling and be like, no, like, of course. And then I was looking at it and then I was thinking about it actually. And I was like, shit, it's actually true. Like, but of course, like the the world tour has only been around for a couple of years. Like the level is still progressing. Like women have only just, like since 2020, which was, yeah, two years ago, was when the minimum salary was introduced and that's only just starting to make it (laughs) feels like yesterday feels like 100 years ago (laughs) um and yeah I think why because now so there used to be that teams had to be at continental level for a certain amount at least a year wasn't it and then they've scrapped that yeah which I don't understand why they scrapped that I also don't understand why we need to have 15 world tour teams because there's 15 men's world tour teams 10 is a great number. What? Let's not like push it. Let's like ease into growing the sport because guys, it's just about money because you oh, have yeah, to pay money to become a world tour team. Who gets that money, Lauren? Exactly. <laughs> Who just want to get paid to? Honest, but really like the, a team that's doing it the right way has been drops or Lecole Wahoo. Yeah. So they're, they're progressing. They're taking all the necessary st- steps um, to become a world tour team. Not, but, e- not every team can be Yumbo Visma and pick up Voss. Yeah. And, and in their first year, you know, yeah. that's not. And also it's, it's, um, like going back to with rally saying how, you know, the riders probably aren't ready and everything. I mean, you don't necessarily have to become world tour to treat, to, to have a, a world tour standard team in terms of professionalization, paying mm-hmm. your riders paying your staff like you do you don't need that badge so i think the uci of course need to look at themselves with this um and yeah we have spoken about how there needs to be this strong continental division that we sort of see in the men's side like alperson is a is a great example it's such a professional team and it does really well they have some very good riders on there and they get invites to the big races because they're one of the best continental teams. Or is that what they're called? Continental or world? They're, pro, pro team. they're a pro team. Pro team. Yeah. A pro team. But they also, they turn down invitations because they... Why? Because they don't get fined for not turning up to world tour races. They, like they're not, since they're not a world tour team, they can pick and choose the races that they target. <laughs> and again it, this comes back to the calendar right because maybe on the flip side of the coin these teams are going if i don't become world tour well what races are we going to do yeah exactly it's and exactly we right. could have a whole i think podcast just on this uh, i feel like this is going to be just a conversation we're going to have over and over and over throughout the year because it's just such a huge part of what's going on in women's cycling right now this gap just keeps growing yeah. and they're there shouldn't be as many world tour teams. There should be more continent, like uh, there should be more structure. Yeah, more structure for the level underneath the world tour team. And there needs to be more racing 
if they're going to keep bumping races up to world tour, there needs to be races to fill those slots for the smaller teams that are then losing an opportunity. Because not just every team wants to go world tour. Every race wants to be world tour now as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah. So races come on the scene and they don't spend like a year at 0.2 level, then like 0.1 then pro then like, it's just like, no, we want to be a world tour race. But I think how many new stage races and whatever they're like, yeah. Oh, we haven't even talked about the jumping world tour race days. Maybe we do need to have a whole <laughs> podcast yeah. about this. All right. Well, t- we can talk about it next week because we're out of time. We didn't get to talk about uh, Amy's next generation piece either. So we will touch on that next episode because it was an awesome piece. And if you haven't seen it, you- I highly recommend you check it out. If you are curious about the future of women's racing, um, Amy's highlighted a handful of riders that are the future. So Thank you so much to everybody for listening. Thank you for your support of this podcast. And thank you to Zwift for being just the best. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back next week. 